How do you transition from the corporate world into consulting? And I think that's something which has come to my mind more and more as I've talked to various guests on the show over the past year and a bit. Particularly COVID has accelerated in people's minds the question of what they think they should be doing with their lives, where they want to earn money, and the kinds of things they want to do besides just working in the corporate world. And quite a few people write to me and say, you know, can we have more guests on the show explaining their stories? How do they get from working in a corporate office environment into running their own, starting their own, growing their own uh, corporate business or facilitation business, training business, as a coach, as a mentor, as a facilitator. And Joe calls himself a people gardener. And I think that's a beautiful expression because this is what we do as people who describe themselves as trainers, coaches, facilitators, consultants. We're working with people. We're working with the chief assets of organizations, helping them to grow, to learn, to acquire new skills, and to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So in today's show, we're going to talk with Joe for a while, understanding what made him take that leap from a pretty solid corporate career into working for himself in a portfolio career. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark, and it's my privilege each Thursday to welcome you to a combination of inspiration and information. This is the show for people just like you and I. If you are a consultant, a coach, a facilitator, a trainer, if you work with people, helping them to acquire new skills, develop themselves and be the best version of themselves, this is the podcast for you. And every single Thursday without fail, we have an episode, whether it's one-to-one with you and I, or it's, as is the case frequently this year in 2021, we have guests on the show. And today we have someone whom I know called Joe Houghton, who's based in Ireland, where I am based. And Joe works with a range of clients, both private sector and public sector, his direct clients, as well as indirect clients working as an associate. But Joe's more than that. He's managed to cultivate and to grow multiple interests and income streams, which is crucial because this is the training business show. We're focused on what actually makes money out there. And Joe today has agreed to come on the show and explain his background, his thinking, and how he actually grows business. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be on today. You were a global technology manager up until 2004, and then... Having looked at your LinkedIn profile again today, you decided to pursue a portfolio career. And I think it's fair to say you've done that and more. Um, You were a partner in a management consulting company focused on strategy assessment, facilitation, sales training. Uh, You were a management trainer with the small firms association Skillnet, which is like the equivalent of the I'd say small uh, SBA in America, um, the head of L&D at the Project Foundry, working with clients on project change and pro- program management, an ambassador with ePAL, which is the electronic platform for adult learning in Europe. Uh, it goes on and on. And I was just amazed by looking at your LinkedIn profile, how it went from this corporate role to all of a sudden this huge, expanded, varied portfolio career. Um, You're also now an assistant professor of project management with the Smurfit Business School 
in Dublin. But of course, most relevant to this episode today, you're running Houghton Consulting for 16 years. So let's start with the obvious question. What made you leap from the corporate world into this multifaceted, varied, and very exciting portfolio career? Um, The arrival of my two children, my first two children. Um, one of whom is now in her second year of law at university, um, and the other one is, is is approaching his kind of final school exams, the leaving cert, the dreaded leaving cert uh, in, in Ireland. So, um, yeah, I mean, up until that point in in the early two thousands, um, I'd been working in big business for twenty odd years climbing the pole, um, European roles, global roles. And I ended up, um, you know, in in General Electric as one of their um, technology managers running teams all over the world. And, you know, it would be Sunday evening, I would fly out to Sao Paulo or Singapore or somewhere in the world. And and Thursday or Friday, I would get home um, and I'd be home for a couple of days and then I'd be off again. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And, and it sounds great, doesn't it? If you've never done that kind of a role, it sounds all glamorous and, you know, you stay hotels and, and stuff. But but when you've done it for 15 or 20 years, a bus is just, a plane is just a bus with wings. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it's you're true. Sick of being in hotel rooms and in hot, and in, in airport lounges and, and stuff like that. So, uh, so I decided that um, when I, I moved to Ireland in, in 2000, I think it was, um, plugged in to Ireland because I knew nobody at the time. Um, but I plugged into Ireland by signing up for the uh, MBA up at the business school at Smurfit. Uh, and and I thought, you know, Smurfit, probably the best business school in the country. Um, I managed to get in on the strength of my CV because I didn't actually have a primary degree. Um, but, but you know, they saw, they saw a global manager with, with General Electric and they kind of let me in. Um, and... Uh, and towards the end of the MBA, um, well, during the MBA, the two children arrived. It was a two-year part-time MBA. Um, not a good idea to study an MBA when you're in a global role that involves lots of travel and have two children at the same time. Um, not recommended. Uh, but it changes your viewpoint. And uh, and the kids came along and, you know, I wanted to be at home to, you know, be there. Um, so having done the MBA, I, I didn't do what most people do after an MBA, which is, you know, go into a, a, another senior management position or whatever. I, I actually said, right, this is time for me to exit that role. Um, and and I, I'd enjoyed the, the experience of being back in college as an adult learner. Um, Learning because I wanted to learn rather than learning, you know, because I have to pass an exam to kind of get a job kind of thing. Um, and I'd done a little bit of lecturing, just just one or two odd lectures while I was doing the MBA. And uh, and I was very fortunate that one of the um, senior lecturers at Smurfit took me under his wing, a, a wonderful guy called Ken Meats, uh, who sadly passed away a few years ago now. But he mentored me in. Um, and. You know, I, I did a, f- a couple of lectures um, for him uh, and then got got some regular gigs uh, and and transitioned from my corporate role 
within a year to pretty much replacing my GE salary with this portfolio of, of different interests, which I've then continued to amplify. And you have, because they're quite substantial. When I looked at your LinkedIn profile in prep for this conversation, I you see the inevitable uh, click for five more experiences. So you expand someone's profile, it drops down to reveal more um, engagements or, or responsibilities or projects. And then it said, click for five more. And then it said, click for five more again. And finally it said, click for three more. So I'm really, um, taken aback by, by the, the balancing act you've achieved in, in managing all these diverse interests. What were some of the challenges then transitioning from this uh, corporate career into this multifaceted career? Were there things that you perhaps wouldn't do differently or would do differently now if you were recommending this this change from a, let's call it a single focus to a multi-focus for people listening? It's, it's an interesting question. I, d- I don't know that there's really anything that jumps out that I would do differently because I think that you are a product of your experiences and the good ones and the bad ones or the ones that appear bad at the time are formative. And And I think it's it's as much in your mindset of how you take those on the experiences on and whether they're pleasant or unpleasant whether they're good or apparently bad you know they all leave their mark and and i think if you can look on experience as a learning journey and i know that sounds a little trite but it's not trite you know if you can adopt that mindset of whatever you go through what can i take out of this what can i learn from this and how can i build on that uh, and, and I think one of the things when I came to Ireland, one of the things I realized as I looked around me was that many, many people in Ireland have at least one, if not two other strings. You know, they don't just have one job. They have a job and they have a sideline or they have a, a family business that runs in the background as well as, you know, the, the, the nine to five job and stuff. And I liked that. I liked the idea of that. And I, I was conscious that you know, in the corporate world, I was doing well and I was senior manager and I was making money and all the rest of it, but I wasn't, I wasn't actually very satisfied. It wasn't, it wasn't really touching me um, and, and doing big, big projects and bigger projects and stuff. It was kind of more of the same. So I, I needed a change and I needed a challenge. And I think jumping out into something that I didn't know and teaching I didn't know. I mean, I'd trained, I'd I'd been responsible for a lot of training, but trying to move into a university teaching role, that's a different ball game to corporate training. (laughs) And and you're you're doing it at a certain level. Um, You know, and and I mean, I'm not an academic. Uh, I always always say to my students when I introduce myself, I'm a businessman who teaches, Um, you know, because they see this professor up front and they think, you know, you're all academic and and, and whatever. I've had a couple of runs at a PhD and still not managed it. But, um, But I think what I try and do now is I work on stuff that interests me. And if it doesn't, I don't. But but I'm I'm bored easily, so so I, I kind of maintain this quite wide portfolio where I do some some consulting, uh, I do some charity work and engagement, um, uh, I, I do corporate training, I do the the, the university stuff as well. Uh, I run a photography training business and do camera club talks all around the world. Um, so you know, no day is the same, and and I think that's what I was looking for. I was looking for variety. Uh, and I've, I've managed to 
build a life that gives me a good lot of variety, but also lets me tuck the kids up in bed at night and take the dog for a walk with them at tea time and, you know, have lunch with them and stuff like that. And I wonder, I think, I think that um, based upon conversations I've had with quite a few people on episodes of the show this year and last year, this is a recurring theme. COVID has given people pause to thought or pause to think about their role, what they make money doing, the value of what they do from a personal satisfaction perspective. Um, how did you decide, you know, this is the kind of thing I want to do? In other words, you've got different rods in the fire. You mentioned photography. You're a trainer in that. You work with the public sector and the private sector, as I, as I do too. How did you decide your niche, you know, which seems to be for you at least risk training, project management, and other forms of training. And secondly, um, how did you decide and establish your ICP, what we call ideal customer profile? I think I fell into, to some extent, what is now my niche. Um, when I met Ken, the guy who mentored me, um, he, he was kicking around the idea of a master's in project management um, for Smurfit. And he and I sat down and we kind of co-created that program because, you know, I was an experienced project manager straight out of big business. Um, Ken was, you know, similar. He'd worked for Diageo and, and some big corporates uh, and was lecturing at the business school. So the project management thing kind of I fell into with Ken. You know, he said, will you give me a hand with this? And we wrote the master's program. We started it. And, and eventually I took over from him as the director and, and continued to develop it. So I didn't kind of like finish GE and think, right, I'm going to lecture in project management and stuff. It just kind of happened. But I think it happened because I was open to something happening. And I'm a, I'm a great believer in walking through doors, walking through open doors and, and, le and, and, and planting seeds and seeing what happens. And, you know, Ken invited me along uh, and I said, OK, let's see where this leads. And it led to, you know, where I am today, which is which was wonderful. Um, and I think the risk came out of a few early engagements with the um with with the consulting you know i kind of set out a a shingle if you like you know put a website up and said i'm around and, and i'm a consultant and you know here's the cv um and, and the first few gigs that came in were people asking me about risk and it very quickly became apparent that this is a big gap and that i could I could fill it. And, and I've developed a couple of tools along with my university teaching, um, you know, risk registers and stakeholder maps and, and stuff like that, which are kind of a little bit more advanced than if you like your standard risk register and stuff like that. So having utilized those and, and making those available to the clients that hire me and, and when I do, you know, talks and stuff on risk, then I, I think that's a slightly, that's a slight differentiator, I suppose, that I bring to the market. The, the ICP is an interesting one. Um, I, 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 I've always been quite focused on doing some pro bono and kind of non-profit and charity work, as well as kind of working in the corporate environment. And, and I think that that is something that gives me a bit of balance. So the, the risk came out of the, the charity stuff that they really, really wanted that. 
and I've I've regularly run seminars on on risk for charities and for boards and for trustees of charities over the last ten years or so, and continue to do so. I did one last week, um, and I think that helped me crystallise the nonprofit sector and particularly leadership roles and board trustee roles in the nonprofit sector. That's one of my ICPs, and then. Because of my management and team leading experience in my you know various roles over the years, I suppose that's my other ICP is is mid and senior level management teams who are looking for you know risk and and project and program training um, and, and insights. And to what extent do you feel that having that uh, role on your LinkedIn profile, assistant professor, or being on boards has helped you to attract paying clients. I, I know you do pro bono work, that's that's laudable, but with a kind of a, a commercial glint in my eye here, where do you feel you have received or, shall we say, attracted leads from, given all the different areas that you're involved with? When I came to Ireland, as I said, I knew nobody. I, I didn't know a soul in Ireland. So it, and, and it's an interesting country, Ireland, because, you know, it's a small island, and and it's not there's no six degrees of separation in Ireland. There's two. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is somebody's cousin. You know, <laughs> it's it's absolutely incredible. So I, I actually sat down and I thought when I arrived in Ireland, what's the best way of plugging in and how do I build myself a network effectively? Because I want to create a network that will bring business to me. So this was actually something planned, if you like. So I said, right, I'm going to do the MBA and I'm going to start teaching. And I, you know, if I get a pipeline of several hundred students every year coming through my classes and then going back into business, some of those students will have seen me and will remember what I teach and, and stuff. And, you know, they will perhaps hire me later on down the line. And that's exactly what's happened. So that's one of my major pipelines is ex-students bringing me into their companies to help them train their people. And then the nonprofit pipeline is the other one. Um, so they're my two pipelines. And do you market yourself in any other ways? I mean, you mentioned the website, throwing up the website, um, the the angle of risk. Was that also something which contributed to leads, people coming to you and knocking on the door? I think whenever you set up any kind of business, um, I think one of the things that a lot of people who go into consulting um, as a, you know, oh, I'm going to set my stall out as a consultant. And they try and say, I can do everything. And maybe you can, but nobody's going to hire you. Yeah. What you need to do is define a small, specific niche. And the people who are looking for that will see you and, you know, if you've got a track record in that niche or, or whatever, then they will hire you. But there's so many people out there just say, I'm a jack of all trades, you know, just hire me because I'm a management consultant. So I don't do that. I say, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a consultant and I've got this pedigree, but here's here's what I do. And and risk is, is primarily what I do. And 90% of the calls that I get for consultancy are risk. <clears throat> and is this both public sector and private sector? Yes, it is. Yeah, from public, private, and non-profit. And what's your preference for working with those, both of those, or either of those? I don't mind. Public and private, I don't really differentiate too much between. Um, and, and I've worked, you know, for all the government departments. I've worked for Garda Shikona. Um, so, so, I mean, lots of different, 
you know, public sector areas, as well as many, many companies in the private sector. I suppose if I, if I if I could only do one form of consulting going forward, it it would it doesn't pay the bills as well. But I love the nonprofit sector because I find that the people there are generally less well versed and trained in management and business, and they need more help, if you like. And I I, I feel like I'm giving them even more than perhaps I'm giving to some of the corporate clients who who know some of this stuff already but want to spread it around their teams and things like that. So I love, I love, but I, I just love, I mean, I, I describe myself in two words as a people gardener. Um, and, and for me, training, developing, coaching, mentoring, it's all part of that idea of, of helping other people develop. Yeah, you wear many hats. So I suppose the lesson here is that people should keep an open mind. Um, ideas might come. There are many benefits to staying in the corporate world. People have perhaps shares or they've got simple responsibilities which would not facilitate moving to a portfolio career. Um, but then there's then there's the angle that people may have regrets. If you don't know what it's like to be a trainer or a coach or facilitator or a consultant, um, you, might re- you might regret that. And I mean, there's no reason, even if you've got a full-time job, there's no reason to not set up a side gig. You don't have to do it, you know, 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week. Um, if you think if you think training or education might be your thing, volunteer to teach a class at, at the local college one night a week. Yeah. Or offer some services to, you know, local charities or to your local chamber of commerce or something like that. And just see, because it's all about the network and and you put yourself out there and you do a good job for one or two people and the first the first few gigs you'll do probably you'll do for nothing yeah but word gets around you know and and the phone will ring and somebody will say oh you know we we we, we were talking to somebody and, and they recommended you or whatever you know could you come and help us with this and all of a sudden you've got your first paid gig um and that one, it's a confidence booster when you get those calls because somebody's come to you and they've, they've said, you know, we value your input. Um, and, you know, if, if, you, if you progress and you turn it into something and, and, and work at it, then it can be a, a second stream of income. Um, and, and I'm a great believer in multiple streams of income. And I mean, they don't have to be big streams of income. But if you've got multiple streams of small little bits coming in, they all add up. <laughs> You've got, I suppose, economic redundancy. Um, but on that note, is there an argument to be made that sometimes the administration, the overheads of managing all those different streams and uh, addressing them and billing for them is actually more work than just having two or three? Outsource the stuff that you don't like doing. And what is that for you? Accounts. <laughs> Accounts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, money. That's true. I do that too. Yeah. I just can't be bothered sitting down with spreadsheets. That said, you do have to have some kind of handle on numbers. Um, is there anything that would signal to someone they're not suited for or their condition, circumstances, context is not suited for a transition from the corporate world to consulting or a uh, portfolio career? You've got to be comfortable with discomfort and uncertainty. 
I think I think many people who find themselves in both the corporate world and also the public sector, um, you know, perhaps they're in that job because it's a safety blanket, because it's a it's it's a comfort zone. And I mean, you know, I can't I can't say any different. I mean, I've got a nice job as a university lecturer and that pays the mortgage. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, it's not like I'm like out on a limb touting for business so that I can feed the children, you know, every night kind of thing. Um, I, I do have one main source of income, which is a, a big source of income. But the other sources of income give me huge amounts of pleasure. I suppose they give me personal validation that, you know, my skills are useful in, in other areas as well. Um, so I think you've got to be if you go out on your own, however you do that, you've got you've got to have a, a degree of self-confidence in yourself and your abilities. Um, and you've got to be proactive. I, I think if there's one thing that I am, it's proactive. I, I, I'll have an idea and I very, very often wake up in the middle of the night with an idea half formed and I will wake up and open up the iPad and I will write a little business plan and it'll take me an hour and, and then I've kind of fleshed it out. And then very often I'll run with that idea. Now, whether it goes anywhere or not, some of them do, some of them don't. The ones that do, great. The ones that don't, you you try them for a bit. And, and at some point you draw a line and you say, no, that's not going anywhere. Um, I'll, I'll shut that one down and I'll move on. Where can people find out more about you, Joe? Um, I'm conscious that you have a website. So where can people find out more about you and your brand? Yeah, the website is houghton.consulting. So www.houghton.consulting. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn and, and I'm just Joe Houghton on LinkedIn. Um, they're, they're probably the best places. Um, and you know, if I, I don't know, you feel free to put my, my email and, and stuff up on the, on the web links as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Joe, so much for being my guest today on the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Okay. Thanks, Mark. My sincere thanks to Joe for being my guest today on the show. And you can find out more about Joe by connecting with him on LinkedIn. His name is spelt J-O-E. And Houghton is spelled H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. And his website is simply www.houghton.consulting. And Joe has his own management practice or consulting practice offering training in risk and project consultancy to firms and nonprofits. And that's, of course, something that uh, Joe alluded to, his interest in working with pro bono clients. So that's perhaps something we might actually dwell upon in a future episode of the show. Speaking of episodes of the show, you'll find all episodes past, present and future on your podcast platform of choice. There are many out there, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify or others. And of course, I would love to know that you're subscribing to the show because this costs you absolutely nothing, takes a couple of seconds to do, means the world to me and my team and validates what we do. And of course, more importantly, brings this to the attention of people out there who listen to podcasts and can do with the help, advice and direction of the kinds of people who help you with your training business, consulting business journey. Until next Thursday, when I look forward to your time, and uh, thank you again for tuning in this week, but please come back again next week. Until then, please keep those emails coming. You can find out more about the website, of course, by visiting www.trainingbusiness.com if you'd like to submit an article to highlight what your business does in terms of your work as a consultant, a trainer, a coach. 
a facilitator, please do. I'd love to feature your content. I'm all about uh, helping to promote people just like you and me, because I'm in the same shoes that you are. I'm not just someone talking about this. I'm actually in the business and I make money and I lose money too. But um, it's it's a fascinating business and I'd love to know what you find valuable about the show. Please drop me a line. That's mark at trainingbusiness.com. And of course, anything you think would be valuable with in terms of guests or content or authors, things you've read, things you know about, things you'd love to share with other people, please email me about those things because I read emails personally and respond individually. Until next Thursday, look after yourself. Keep selling, keep training, keep going. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time. 